1: Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Ole Miss right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jordan Dollinger, and today I'm recapping last weekend's super exciting game against the Kentucky Wildcats, plus talking more in-depth about Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral, and I have a special guest today to help me do that.
0: How's it going, everybody? Taylor McCard, co-host of the SEC QB podcast with Josh Booty, and yeah, excited to be on today. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So lots of really exciting things happened uh, this past weekend. If anyone listening missed Ole Miss's Week Two game by now, you know that the Rebels won in overtime, 42 to 41. It was so much fun, but it was so nerve wracking. It was an absolute offensive shootout and a really great showing from both teams. But ultimately, it came down to an extra point in overtime that sealed the deal for Ole Miss. Luke Logan went six for six on extra points, including the game winning point, while Kentucky's kicker Matt Ruffalo went five for six, missing their last extra point in overtime. This is Lane Kiffin's first win as an SEC head coach since 2009. There. There was a lot of toss up before week one about who was going to be the starting quarterback for Ole Miss. People really leaning towards Matt Corral from the little that we heard from camp but also thinking it could certainly be John Rice Plumley after his showing last year and he finished with the job last season. So Kevin named Corral the starter just a day before week one and he had a great game against Florida despite the loss. Corral completed 31 passes for 395 yards and three touchdowns. He also rushed for 50 yards. This past weekend for week two was even more impressive. The sophomore quarterback had an absolutely stellar game for Ole Miss, completing 24 of 29 passes for 320 yards compared to Kentucky senior quarterback Terry Wilson, who ended the game with 151 yards in the air. Corral threw for four touchdowns, had zero interceptions, and also picked up 51 yards on the ground during week two's win over Kentucky. I would love, in your opinion, give me a little bit of what you think is working for him and what you think he needs to be able to play up to that level and continue with that. Like it's been two games and he's had a great showing so far, but what is it that he's going to need to really stick with to like keep that longevity?
0: Yeah. I think the biggest thing I went back and watched it again last night. The biggest thing that I had in my notes kind of a few times over was he just looks comfortable in Kiffin's system, which is what you want out of your quarterback that I think, is the most important thing, especially for a young quarterback. There's not a lot of doubt. I think any time a guy goes 24 of 29 and is, and is that efficient, he's obviously comfortable, and he's getting the ball out of his hands quick, which is great. Uh, he's decisive. Obviously played better than he did against Florida, but there's a lot right now that he's having to you know, play Superman a little bit because Ole Miss's defense right now is struggling, uh, giving up quite a bit. And struggling
1: the, the, is a nice way to put it.
0: Uh, yeah, it's a polite way of putting it, but I think – Corral is is doing exactly what Kiffin needs from him being efficient completions that offense ticks when you get out to get the ball out of your hand quick and when you're accurate they didn't have that many big plays they had a couple shots but his intermediate is under 15 yards you know those a uh, couple of the bubble screens tunnel screens he had a couple passes up the seam up the left side that's what you want to see out of a young quarterback I think his comparison to to Wilson They're asking those guys to do totally different things. Elaine Kiffin offense, you're going to throw the ball quite a bit more, which is why you're going to see Corral have, he's going to put up stats throughout the year. The biggest thing for Corral moving forward, you asked, you know, what is it going to take for him to carry this on throughout the season? He's got to stay patient with what defenses are giving him. And if you go look at Mississippi state in week one, they go beat LSU, obviously week two, they lose to Arkansas. And the biggest thing is, they lost, weren't patient in week two. And I, you saw them force the ball, had I think it was three interceptions on offense. And that is what corral as the season moves on. Stay within yourself, stay within the offense, take care of the football. Lane Tiffin offenses are going to score. We know that it doesn't matter where he goes, what school it is, pro, college, SEC, Conference USA, doesn't matter. They're going to score. As long as he's consistent in his accuracy and not turning the ball over, I think he's going to have a big season.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that you kind of touched on that about a Kiffin offense scoring points because that's definitely something that he does. And what he does really well is molding his entire offense around his quarterback. That's He's been a quarterback coach specifically in the past. Kiffin's attempts to work John Rice Pumley into the game failed to generate any real yardage. So Kiffin really just kind of let Corral do the work and trust him fully, uh, which is a real change from last year when former head coach Matt Luke kind of basically benched Corral for the last eight games of the season coming off his injury um, after Matt Luke was uh, eventually fired. It really put things a lot up into the air for Ole Miss, specifically with this quarterback spot, because the entire 2019 season was defined by Corral and Plumlee um, sharing time when they had the opportunity or Plumlee kind of taking over those snaps. So this the offense subsequently became really run heavy because of that being Plumlee's strength. Um, and it seems after these past two games, that won't necessarily be the case this year with the Ole Miss offense really doing well in the passing game thus far. What we've also seen is that Plumlee has been switched in. I feel like that kind of takes away the element of surprise a little bit. Like if you know that Corral is your passer and you know that Plumlee is there to run, it's like any time that you are swapping the two of them, I feel like that kind of shows their hand a little bit. But do you think that that doesn't matter as long as Corral is staying with the starting job and Plumlee just goes in to do what he needs to do? Do you think that eventually will be phased out, or do you think that Plumlee is going to be like that plug-in all season, or if that's necessary?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, through two weeks, I think it's proven, I agree with you, I think it's proven that Plumlee really, I, I had this written down, Plumlee right now is really just stealing snaps from Corral. The couple times that they had him in and they he was featured against Kentucky, nothing really happened. Most young quarterbacks go through this at some point. I know I went through it. Some, some variation of Wildcat, or they rotate another quarterback in for a series, or it happens when they're younger before you really establish yourself. But after this game, I wouldn't be surprised if you see less of Plumley moving forward. And a lot of that is just that Corral's playing well. You only really need to do that when you, your offense needs a spark. When you find yourself getting behind the chains and you're at that second long, third and long scenario, you're trying to get any sort of spark. The way that this is used well is if you look at what the Saints do, Taysom Hill, the way that they use him to compliment Drew Brees, Taysom Hill. And I know these are totally different players between, between Plumley and Taysom Hill, but it's a way to mix up looks. It makes the defense think about things a little bit differently. And that's ideally what you want to do when you use a guy like a Plumley. The other thing that you touched on, I think this may phase itself out partly at the beginning of the season. Sometimes you're just trying to appease a guy that you don't want him to leave. I mean, Plumley is a really talented player, but if you don't have a place for him, what we, I mean, and we've seen this at the highest level. A lot of the times these kids will leave, they'll transfer, and they'll go play somewhere else. And I think you run the risk of that. But if that means that you establish your your guy in Corral and you move forward with him, then maybe it's a necessary loss and it is what it is. But yeah, I, I literally had written down, you know, right now I think Plumley is stealing snaps from Corral. They don't, they don't need to be forcing this.
1: I think it's worse, too, when he started. He started all those games at the end of the season. He was, like, the go-to guy. And then, you know, it wasn't even this preseason or lack thereof. It's just been so weird. And then Kiffin didn't even announce his starting quarterback until the Friday before the first game, which he may have let them know sooner, and I'm sure he did, but he didn't let the public know. It's like he went from being the guy to now, you know, only getting less than 10 touches on the ball every game. So, And I agree with that, too. You don't ever want someone to leave, But if you don't have anywhere to put them and they're not okay with just waiting and they're the exact same year, like, it's not like, you know, Plumlee is a sophomore and then Carouse a junior or a senior. So it'll be his time. It's like, they are the exact same year. And if they're ultimately going for the same goal.
0: Yeah, no, that's the hard part with the quarterback position is ideally. There's only one. I think there are very few cases to be made of, of where two quarterbacks have worked. I'm not a opponent of it. I don't like it. I think the offenses that have made it work, it's really only worked because they had exceptional talent everywhere else on the field, and they were going to win no matter what. But over time, it just sort of works out this way. You see four- and five-star recruits come in together. They duke it out. They figure it out, and one ends up leaving. It happens all the time and at the highest level of college football in the SEC. It just sort of is the nature of the beast. And if Plumlee moves on, he's a talent, but he's not – more talented than a couple of the receivers that Ole Miss has, right? So you're not just going to plug him in out at the X or the Y and let him be your wide out or your go-to guy, you know, in some sort of a slot position or he's he's not big enough really to be your your every down – if you have like a wildcat. So I don't know. It's tough. I think the more Corral plays well, I think the less likely we'll see Plumley getting touches. And it wouldn't shock me if by the end of the season he were to transfer –
1: In your experience, was that something that you ever had to deal with yourself? Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. We had my freshman and sophomore year, especially, we had a Wildcat package. And looking back, you know, at the time, I hated it. But looking back on it, our strength was running the football. They took the ball out of my hands because at the time, we weren't very effective throwing on first and second down. And I look back, I hated it at the time. Uh, We also weren't particularly good then, but what ended up happening is As my career went on, 2010, win our conference, win 10 games, we didn't run the Wildcat hardly at all. And I think that's sort of what we're talking about here is the better your quarterback play is and the more you're winning games, the less you have to mix in multiple quarterbacks.
1: For Ole Miss to even hang with Alabama on any sort of level, I feel like there has to be like some creativity. When Matt Corral is playing, they're moving extremely fast. They're doing like a lot of no huddle, and they're they're moving really fast to kind of keep up that tempo and that momentum. Um, and I think that mixing in Plumlee. I think that it can do well, but I think it also kind of disrupts that momentum at the same time. So at what game and what point do you kind of pull back and say it's not worth it? And if that's not Alabama week, then I don't really know what week that would be, but it's going to be interesting. I know that Alabama has a younger quarterback as well, so I'm just curious as how this fares out. So I think that that'll be interesting. So what is it that we think, other than the obvious, what's something that Matt Corral is going to have to do is to kind of keep up with the Alabama offense that we know is explosive.
0: Yeah, this is, uh, this is always the challenge when you know going into a game that the other side really is, is favored for a reason. And on the offensive side of the ball, the easy, I mean, sort of the, the status quo, the boring answer is no turnovers, right? When they're better, you don't want to give them extra opportunities.
1: Which so far, on, there hasn't been right, any.
0: there, I know, so. and, and on, from that front, Corral is doing a great job. I think the other piece you touched on tempo, up-tempo is a tool. I, I've never agreed that you stay in that permanently, right? Because it's not sustainable. It's designed to be something that once you get a defense on their heels, you keep them on their heels. But there were a couple times in the red zone specifically where Ole Miss rushes down and they end up in a bad play and They run zone read on one play and they should have fumbled. They ended up getting lucky. Another one, the exact same thing happens and they end up scoring on a zone read. But I think there were times that they got in and out of their tempo that it was like, let's slow it down just a hair. The other thing, and I know we're focusing on the quarterback position, but the flip side of this, I mean, the, the key really for Ole Miss and one of the things on the defensive side of the ball that stuck out to me is it felt like they were really just lining up and playing against Kentucky. And what I mean by that is there were no – they weren't really mixing up fronts. Their pressure, the blitzes that they were bringing were fairly simple. And if, if they come out and do that against Alabama, they're, they're, Alabama's going to score virtually at will against this defense right now because their defensive line, Ole Miss's defensive line, just really isn't very good right now. They don't have a lot of depth. This is going to be something that Lane Kiffin. I mean, that's a two- or three-year process to get that position group built back up. And so you've got to mix up your looks. you got to try and confuse Mac Jones. And then when you get your chances, if you get turnovers, you got to convert those to points. And, and this is going to be a shootout. I mean, for Ole Miss to win this game, it's not like we're going to have a 24-20 final score. I mean, this is going to be one of those classic Ole Miss-Bama games that goes down to the wire, and it's an absolute shootout. But to your point earlier about tempo, I like that they do it because they're efficient at times with it, but I also want to see them slow down, especially in the red zone.
1: Yeah cuz like what you said patience is important too like there's a point where tempo just turns into it's chaos yeah and it's absolute chaos so keeping tempo when you need it but being patient as well I agree with you. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I hope it's a high-scoring game on both sides. <laughs> Definitely not been the case before, but I'm very optimistic. But I do agree with that. I just think that this was a really important win because it instills some sort of confidence and some sort of reinforcement that what they have been working on and what they're doing is working. So I know that you had said earlier that he does a really good job of, of being comfortable, and I agree with that. But I just wonder how exactly he's going to respond to this.
0: Yeah, that's what Nick Saban is famous for is making quarterbacks uncomfortable, putting them in situations that they're not used to and that they don't like to be in changing up looks. They're really good at switching out of fronts and post snap changing into coverage that they was obviously different than their pre snap. But to your point a second ago, if you're a, an Ole Miss fan, you got to be encouraged by the first two weeks. I know that Florida pulled away late and it, it wasn't by the box score. It wasn't close late. But Florida may win. I mean, Florida looks really impressive through the first couple weeks. Florida may go make a run at this whole thing by the time the season's all said and done. And to win on the road, I think that was a really important win to beat that Kentucky team. Because Kentucky is a little bit like Ole Miss, where still trying to figure out early on in the season who they are and how they're going to win. Because they're not just going to go out and beat people a lot of times, right? They're not Alabama and they're not Florida right now. But they are talented. And for a first-year head coach at Ole Miss in in Lane Kiffin, if you're an Ole Miss fan, I do think you've got to be encouraged by what you've seen so far. It's going to be a process. I mean, the the great news is that he has corral for another two seasons, assuming he doesn't leave early. But I would imagine he's there the whole time. But, again, getting back to the Alabama game, Alabama – certainly through the first three weeks we'll have the best front even over Florida has the best front that they will have seen to this point in the season they're going to do a good job of mixing up their looks and getting pressure on Corral he's got to get the ball out of his hand quick like he has I think he's done a good job of pulling the trigger um, and then get it into the, like Elijah Moore he, he popped out several times on tape number eight uh, he's a physical receiver that's a guy that you want to lean on in games like this because he's not going to be afraid of contact outside of that when it it's a team that's really talented. you got to get some breaks. I mean, you got to have some things go your way. Ole Miss is not going to be able to line up and run their base offense and base defense and beat Alabama. But that's why you play the game, because all it takes is a couple turnovers go your way and some short fields. Corral plays well again, and all of a sudden you look up in the fourth quarter and, and you're either winning or you're, or you're right there. So I think that's best case for, for Ole Miss in this one.
1: Some more stats for you guys during last week's game. Star wide receiver Elijah Moore caught 10 passes last week and another 10 passes week two from Corral, this time for a total of 91 yards. One of those 10 was the three-yard touchdown pass in overtime to tie it. Tight end Kenny Eboa finished the game with three catches for 83 yards and sophomore wide receiver Jonathan Mingo broke out as another star option, scoring a pair of touchdowns and had eight receptions from Corral for 128 total yards.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it, this is uh... – Like I said, it's fun to see Ole Miss relevant again. Ole Miss is one of the programs, like all the blue chips in the country, you want to see them good. College football is exciting and fun when Ole Miss is good. And the years of them having a 4-8 and team, that's not fun for anybody. I mean, even your closest rival, I don't care what people say. I'm based in Austin, Texas. I don't care what Longhorns say. They want Oklahoma to be good when they play them. Now they want to beat them every time. They don't want to be – like this week coming up for the Red River rivalry stinks because they both lost and they're not very good this year. But for for the rest of the SEC and just college football fans in general, you pull for a team like Ole Miss to be good. I think Kiffin has been a positive hire so far. He's brought some energy to that program and excited to see how the rest of this year plays out. And I do think this would be a fantastic, I mean, if they were to pull out a win against this Alabama team, I think that would be huge for this, for this team, especially with this. You know, they got a lot of young players that gives you a lot of, momentum and confidence and belief in yourself and in your teammates and we'll see what happens
1: awesome all right so before we leave let everyone know about the sec qb podcast where they can find you
0: yeah sec qb coast with josh booty former lsu quarterback and we talk about the sec as you might imagine but also really focus on the quarterback position both of us former college quarterbacks and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up we've got some really exciting guests that are coming on soon and Come on every Friday, preview the upcoming weekend and just the high-level storylines. And then we get into the weeds a little bit on, on players that have jumped out to us. And again, specifically the quarterback position. So uh, again, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss a new episode and are downloading new Woods each and every week. I'm your host, as always, Jordan Dollinger. And check back next weekend as I recap the highly anticipated Alabama All Miss game. Go Rebs and Hottie toddy.